The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I don't like your attitude. I definitely... The defense is wrong. Don't think that guy just says, oh, Thursday edition, PFTOT, PFTPM, Chris Sims, Mike Florio, getting to things we were unable to get to during NBCSN's Pro Football Talk Live, now only on TV, not a radio show. From a production standpoint, you can still hear it on SiriusXM 211, the TuneIn app, and all podcasts of every hour of every show. One topic we weren't able to get to today, Chris, because we just had so many other things to discuss the suggestion that Jadavian Clowney's demands may be softening by a few million dollars per year. Look, Jadavian Clowney, I don't think it's about the money. I think it's about the fact that people can't give the guy a proper physical. As long as he wants anything more than the veteran minimum, they're going to demand on having the ability to take a very close look at where he is physically before making a commitment to him. Uh, otherwise, you're potentially throwing away money. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, also, I do think it's about money a little bit. You know, that ties into, you know, this is a guy that's been beat up a lot. He plays a really physical brand of football as is. So you got to question, you know, can his body hang in there for two, three years in a row to where he can really contribute to our football team? I think those are all the big questions, let alone to what, yes, you're saying, without being able to do the medical evaluation is scary for this type of athlete, especially coming off surgery. So I don't know if he's dropping his price or whatever it may be, but you know, we, you and I both know he's one of the kings of F the play up. And there's some teams who s- seriously have a need for his position and, I, and have money too. You know, just to name a few. You know, the Jets, the Houston Texans. I look, would the Houston Texans get involved in Jadeveon Clowney again if it were for the that right would be price? Something. I mean, right? That would be something if he'd end up back in Houston. I, I mean, they have the money to do it and they have a big time need at the position. But there is a lot of teams, even the Philadelphia Eagles, who I look right now, they got enough money to figure out and wiggle around to, to sign a Jadeveon Clowney. They have the need. So I got to think there's a market out there. I'm just I'm guessing between what you said and maybe his asking price was just a little too steep for some teams to swallow. You know, it would take a lot of humble pie being consumed by both Clowney and Bill O'Brien, the coach and GM of the Texans, for him to go back there. I that That's a tough fence to mend uh, because of the way that everything ended, the quick trade last year, the refusal to sign him to a long-term deal. They never signed him to a long-term deal. They squatted on him for his entire rookie contract and then traded him as a franchise tag player, and he had to go to uh, Seattle and play there last year. Although, hey, maybe he should be happy with the Texans. They ended up paying a big chunk of his salary, even though he was playing for a different team. That topic was inspired by a question from Josh in Tacoma who wants to know, What's Jadavian Clowney's real market? Who does he end up with? Give me a guess of who he signs with and how much he gets. I'm going to guess it's a, uh, you know, I'm going to say the New York Jets come in to sweep him up at some point. I would think Greg Williams would love to get his hands on Jadavian Clowney. And I think the Jets fans are a little underwhelmed by the lack of big names so far in free agency. I think he would be a guy that would certainly fit the football needs. And, 
you know, put the put the fan base at ease. And, you know, I think ultimately, you know, I don't know what kind of contract he's going to get. I don't think it's going to be anything like five or six years or, you know, huge guaranteed money. I would think it's a two or three year deal where a team can get out of it, you know, after one or two years, just in case another serious injury arises. So, you know, something around there for an average of, you know, I don't know, Mike, what do you think? 16, $17 million a year, I think would probably be about where he gets. And I think the Seahawks are just waiting for the number to fall to a range that right. they think is acceptable. The risk, the reward, and we've seen the reward. They would not have beaten the 49ers on that Monday night last season if they didn't have Jadavion Clowney. He delivered that victory. And I know that there were a lot of other hands in the pot, but without him, I don't think they win that game. He sparked them at a time when it felt like the 49ers were starting to maybe pull away from the Seahawks. The 49ers were the better team, but the Seahawks found a way to win the game that night, and Clowney had a lot it, to do with it. It's tough, you know, just because you look at some of the guys, like where Clowney's going to look at it and go, okay, you know, guys like D. Ford. You know, Genevieve Clowney's a better all-around football player than D. Ford, and he's making $17 million a year. So I understand where he's going to look at that. Olivier Vernon, for what he's done for the Cleveland Browns the last few years. You know, it's not Jadeveon Clowney class. So that's where the problem is. So maybe I'm selling him a little low here. Maybe he gets a big chunk of guaranteed money and gets a lot of big numbers early on in his career. Maybe somebody does sign him to a four- or five-year deal to lessen the cap blow, throws a lot of guaranteed money at him, and then it's a deal that they can get out of after two years if possible, something like that. Actually, the more I talk about this and think about this, I think that's probably the way it'll go. Yeah, I just, I just think that the Seahawks are biding their time and they're waiting and I they're waiting you. and they're waiting. And the fact that there's no other market out there eventually gets him to dip to a point where they say, we have to have this guy. We have to, we have to take this risk and take this guy back onto our team because he's just too good when he's healthy. All right, question from Gears of Ted. Could we see a 1982-esque shortened schedule this season should the league have a backup schedule in place in case COVID impacts the season? You know, the schedule's coming out no later than May 9. And one thing they did in 2011 when the lockout was happening, they backloaded a lot of the divisional games to the end of the season in the event that there was uh, the loss of games early in the season. It will be interesting to see how the schedule is structured. Will they anticipate the possibility of losing some games early and put the sixth per team divisional round games later in the schedule? That may be the first tangible clue we get, Chris, in the schedule itself that the NFL really is planning for something other than, as Jeff Pash, the NFL's general counsel, said on a conference call with media the other day, full season, full stadiums, 16 games. That schedule, I think, is going to tell us a lot about what they're potentially anticipating. Yeah, I think you're right. That'll be a good context clue to see where things are going. But, I mean, to answer the question, too, I think, yeah, I think there's a very real chance sitting here right now, you know, the 2nd of April, I look at it and go, do I think there's a chance that we might lose a few football games this season? Yeah, I do. I think where we're sitting right now, I need to hear some more, you know, positive medical, uh, you know, information as far as, you know, getting a, a vaccine or the proper medical stuff that can save some of us from the COVID-19 outbreak. So, you know, I, I know I, I think it's it's certainly in danger. I know a lot of NFL people, you know, I've talked to some scouts and GMs who all are like, man, are we really, is this season going to happen? You know, how does this go? And, you know, and we talked about it yesterday. 
You know, of course, what happens if you're in training camp and one guy on the team ends up testing positive for COVID-19? How does that change things going forward if there's no vaccination at that point either? So, uh, yeah, I think we are certainly right now kind of on that fence of ooh, we might lose some games or the season might get pa- pushed back a few weeks. I think that's a real reality. Lost me. Oh, there he is. So are we back? I can't hear Chris at all. Well, well, Florio, just so everybody knows, and we're rolling. Yep, there he is in his beautiful home studio, and he can't. My FaceTime earpods work, but his fancy studio doesn't. This is great. He still can't hear me. I hear you now. I hear you fine. Oh, you do? Darn it. I was just about to start talking crap about you. Start. Start. We'll keep going. (laughs) They'll clean it up. That's what they get paid to do, or or they won't clean it up. No, don't clean it up. Who cares? People like the rawness. That we're taking you behind the curtain. Every once in a while, things get screwed up. Every once in a while, there's a little glitch in the matrix. Every once in a while, I can't hear Chris. And those days are pretty good days when that happens. All right. But the bottom line is they do need to look. This is the drum that I will continue to bang. They need to have a plan. They need to have a plan. And somebody asked me yesterday, well, well, what should Jeff Pash have said other than we're planning to go forward with the full season? My response was, we're planning for every possible outcome that will be determined by a pandemic that we can't control. Whatever happens, we'll have a plan. Whatever direction this takes, we'll have a plan. And we're working now to identify a plan for every possible scenario. That's what they should say, and that's what I hope they do. But, Chris, you know as well as I do, what they're doing now is they're just focused on the draft, focused on the draft, focused on the draft, and they're not worrying about anything else, and then they're going to wake up on April 26th and say, well, I guess it's time to start worrying about everything else. No, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You know, and, and again, I just, you know, we, we talked about this a little yesterday, but the fact that we haven't heard more rumors about alternative plans, you know, yeah, it's a little scary to me. It is. It definitely is. And I, I think that's got to scare anybody involved in the NFL right now, coaches especially. I think they're really wondering in limbo – you know, what's going to happen. And of course, if they do get thrown back out there and there's no vaccine or anything like that at the point, and you're going to training camp and around all these people, you know, they have the fear of, okay, now I go home to my family at the end of the night. And, you know, what if my dad, who's an older gentleman, is in the house at 70 years old and I'm the head coach of a team that's just been around fans at training camp and all the players are my teammates? You know, those are things that, you know, we still haven't figured out. And, um, yeah, again, I would just like to hear some some other other plans of action by the NFL. That's why I wrote what I wrote last night about Mark Cuban, the Dallas Mavericks owner, suggesting that it may make sense to take all the teams to one city, sequester them, and finish the season there. And he said, look, it wouldn't be easy. I want to be with my family. But sometimes you got to do what's in the interest of the greater good, which is providing people who are locked up at home with entertainment in these trying times and also generate the revenue from the TV contracts that will help pay the salaries of the people who are working for the NBA team. So, you know, I I don't think it's practical to take all the teams of the NFL to one location and wall them off from society, but I do think it's appropriate for the NFL to at least consider what challenges that would entail and whether there is a way to pull it off or something like it off if they have to do it to get the season in. That leads to the next question. 
And this is one of the reasons I like answering questions because it gives me ideas that maybe I otherwise wouldn't have had. Yeah, Sean right. Alvishire asks this question. Will government create new rules for stadium construction and architecture to implement social distancing regarding space between seats? Now, I've been in plenty of stadiums where you're right on top of each other. I mean, Fenway Park, I, my son and I went to a game last September and we left after five minutes. Like, these seats, they're uncomfortable and you're right on top of the next person. Um, Chris... You know, I, I, I like the idea that maybe future stadiums will space out seats, but it made me think of this. If they do let fans back in stadiums, will it look like the White House press room where you're only allowed to sit in every other seat or every third seat and it's every other row or every third row? Will we see anytime soon or ever again, at least until there's a vaccine for this coronavirus, a packed stadium. We may see some sort of a hybrid where half the seats are sold or a third of the seats are sold and the people are positioned far enough apart from each other so they can socially distance. Yeah, I mean, impossibly. I mean, I, I think it would have to be like a third or a quarter of the seats. I mean, if you just went half the seats, I feel like that's still going to be too many people in one place. and It's just going to be too hard to distance everybody from themselves. So, you know, maybe that's a course or a plan of action early on in the year if we're not exactly where we want to be, you know, but but until, you know, there's something vaccine vaccine or this can help you get cured from COVID-19 or anything like that. I think you're taking great risk and even doing anything like that. But, you know, I, I have thought about that just in general, the stadium construction, you know, even sitting here. In, in Greenwich, Connecticut, I thought about it because there's like some mansion about a mile down the road being built for me right now. I mean, it's some gigantic house and there's people working there every day. And I want to be like, oh, did they not get the memo that there's this like there's a sickness going around because they're they're all there doing construction. But uh, I, I, this these are all things that I would like to hear the NFL start to start planning, letting us know, you know, hey, again, it's news. It's we'll talk about it. And hopefully with us talking about it and other talking heads out there, you know, they can continue to gather maybe the right plan of attack and more information on how to do this. And I think part of the challenge is to identify issues that we can bang on that actually can make a difference. I mean, I'm not going to waste my time complaining about the fact that the draft is going forward because there's nothing we can do about it. It's going forward. But I will spend my time complaining about the lack of a vision and foresight and brainstorming to identify potential issues and how to overcome right. them because I don't think the NFL is doing that and they need to be doing that. All right. Next question. Let's change gears a little bit. This comes from the PFTPM Posse account on Twitter. Isn't there a better option than a 10-year collective bargaining agreement? Careers are so short that a 10-year CBA likely has little impact on the majority of the players who voted and players impacted the most by it are likely not even thinking they have a realistic shot at the NFL. All right, let me take this one. First of all, it's not a 10-year CBA. It's an 11-year CBA. It's a 10-year extension. So, you know, it's the point's even more pronounced. It covers 11 NFL seasons. We had Demora Smith on the program during the window when they were voting on the CBA. And I asked him that question about why such a long CBA. And he made a very good point that has its roots in the CBA that was in place two cycles ago, the 2006 CBA. That had an early cancellation provision for both sides. And what happened? The NFL couldn't wait to pull the plug and implement a lockout and try to level the playing field again. And 
D. Smith seemed to think that if there had been the opportunity for the league to pull the plug, and it's got to be bilateral. Both sides yeah. have to have the opportunity to cancel it. If the league could have pulled the plug in 2016 or 2017 when the ratings started to go down, maybe they would have done that. So the point is the certainty has value. And yeah, okay, the union can't cancel the deal early, but the league can't either. And that's part of the trade-off. Both sides are locking into this thing clear-eyed, understanding what the terms are, and nobody gets out early. So I guess that's the way – I hadn't thought of it that way until I explained it like that, but that's a way to think of this. If it's a good deal and if it's an acceptable deal and you're happy with the terms, you don't want an early out because you don't want to give the other side an early out, Chris, because circumstances could change. Because, look, if there was an early out in this deal that wouldn't have been put on the table post-COVID-19 pandemic – the NFL would start counting the days already for when it could pull the plug on this deal and renegotiate. So that's the value of locking in for 10 seasons or 11. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And that makes a lot of sense. I know there was players that were upset about the 11-year deal. Uh, you know, I even texted with a few who didn't understand it. But at the same time, you know, I, I kind of agree with like what you're saying and what D. Smith have said too. You know, first off, the NFL union, it's not a strong union. It's just not compared to the other sports. You know, there's just more players in the NFL. The careers are way shorter on average. You know, the, what's the NFL career average right now? 3.1 seasons for the average NFL Something player? Like that. Right. Yep. A lot of guys aren't going to risk, you know, missing a year of football to go, well, gosh, I might only have two more years left in the NFL after this is all said and done either. So that's where the NFL and the union is really weak that way, and they're not going to win those type of strike labor deals against NFL owners who have millions and millions and billions in the bank and can and can hold out forever and never have to worry about really ruining their lives financially. The players do, and it's not like baseball where, yeah, there's 22 guys on a roster and there's three or four that are arbitration, but the other like 19 guys are all making $10 million plus a year, so they have a lot of money in the bank too, and that's why they can strike and win out. And that's the same for the NBA, and that's why their unions are stronger. So, you know, when it comes all down to it, I think you make all the right points, and that's why it should be an 11-year deal. And, yeah, the bottom line is players are not going to miss games. They're not going to miss game checks. There aren't many games relative to other sports. And once those Sundays are gone, you can't make them up. It's not like you go back to the factory after a strike and work overtime for four weeks to make up on all the orders that the company is behind on. No, and also, there's nobody who works in a factory who grew up with posters on his or her wall of factory workers and aspired to go work in that factory, and it's a dream come true. There are so many financial and real-world factors that go into who a football player is and what he does and what he wants to do. It makes it very hard for him to say, I choose not to play football, and I choose not to continue to be paid to play football. All right, uh, next one. This is uh, a draft question from Terry Gensler. Which receiver projected to go in the first two rounds best fits, Chris, the Philadelphia Eagles? What do you think? Well, okay, that's a really good question. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles, they definitely need some weapons, certainly. The great thing, I think, about pertaining to this question is the Eagles have some wiggle room here as far as what they want at receiver. You know, let's not forget, they got Alshon Jeffrey, so they got the big size guy, right? They got Deshaun Jackson. He's still under contract. He's still a speed guy. Now, you know, do you worry about replacing one of those two because, hey, they're coming to the end of their careers. There's been some injuries with both of them. So do you get a Henry Ruggs because 
ooh, we need an insurance policy if Deshaun Jackson is is not healthy? Uh, or do we get a big guy like T. Higgins from Clemson because we're worried about Alshon Jeffrey and his future and how much longer he'll last? You know, so they could go that route, certainly. Uh, or maybe they go the route runner, Justin Jefferson, Jerry Judy type of guy as well. You know, so th- I guess my point is they have flexibility in this. They really do. And I think really they're going to just be able to take the best one there that's available to them when all said and done. They got two great tight ends. We know that. And then two receivers who are proven but getting up there and getting a little long in the tooth. And I think that gives them the flexibility to almost take whatever they feel is the best receiver or best fit on the board for them. Also curious to see whether there's a guy they really love and they start getting nervous and decide maybe we need to move up to try to get the guy. This could be one of the years where you do that. When that pick is on the clock where you think you can get the guy, you make a deal and uh, and you send one of your current assets or future draft picks or other draft picks from this year to do it. But they definitely need help for Carson Wentz. They thought about DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't want to pay him the $22 million a year. And look, the way to go is draft somebody in the early rounds. You're going to pay him a lot less. You're going to have him locked up for four years, five years if he's a first-round pick. And I would not I would not be surprised at all if they, if they go receiver very early in the draft. Chris. No, I'm with you, Mike. I'm with you. I think they will too. And, and maybe if there's one not there to their liking, maybe they'll wait to the second round because there's going to be good ones there to be had too. My worry if I'm the Eagles, to your point, Mike, and what you're saying too, is I would worry that, you know, by the time they're picking at 21 – C.D. Lamb, you know, Justin Jefferson and Henry Ruggs, which to me are kind of in a different class than the next two guys I got on my list with Hamler and Higgins. I would think those top three guys have a good chance of being gone by pick 21, too. So that could prompt them, yes, to think about, ooh, if they really love one of those three guys where they might say, okay, we got, we got to make a move up four or five spots to get one of them. So it'll be an interesting to wa- uh, interesting thing to watch for sure. And if the dust settles on round one and they didn't get the guy they wanted, you always can call the Chiefs and try to do something with Sammy Watkins because I think he's That's available. Right. And I think somebody that doesn't get the receiver they're looking for in round one or round two is going to be talking to the Chiefs about taking Sammy Watkins off of their hands. All right, last question for today. And this is a Patriots question related to Tom Brady. Chris, something you and I both noticed during the show, Tom Brady renting the gigantic Derek Jeter mansion in Tampa. They were building that Super Bowl 43. We drove around Tampa one day and we went by that house and it was very, very early on in the construction of Derek Jeter's mansion there on the water in Tampa. And I already had thought when I, I saw that Brady was going to the Buccaneers, that's the only house. I didn't, I didn't know it was available for anyone to rent. But, hey, Tom Brady, renting that house, it makes a ton of sense because you know, I haven't seen it since it was in the very early throes of construction, but it looked like it was going to be massive. It is massive, and I can tell you that I saw it when it was a finished product because I was still living down there in Tampa and had my place right around the corner. And I used to get on the water in my jet skis, Mike, and go over and check out you know, the house because you can kind of pull up pretty closely when you're on the water. It looks awesome. It certainly fits a big-time person like Tom Brady. He's going to have all the toys and space and everything he needs to live there, uh, let alone being right on you know, the Bay of Tampa there and, and have the access to the water. So great place for him to live. Uh, and, yeah, Jeter to Brady, you know, it just it's funny. Uh, the New York star hands off to the Boston star, star, the New York-Boston rivalry. 
still lives and and Jeter's he doesn't need to be in Tampa anymore you know of course he's down in Miami or in New York pretty much and I think uh at some point he'll probably sell that house in Tampa yeah maybe he'll end up selling it to Tom Brady maybe they'll fall in love with Tampa and decide to put their roots down there they were selling their house in Boston it's still on the market they bought a place in Greenwich you you have a long and established track record of living close to people who have gigantic mansions (laughs) I do I do you're right you know and to add to that my townhome that I owned in Tampa when my playing career there was coming to an end, I used to I rented it out to uh, Alex Rodriguez one year. I rented it out to CC Sabathia one year, right? So uh, I, you know, and I was happy to do it because, as you know, I'm a huge Yankees fan. But uh, yeah, it is odd. And yes, Brady is not far down the road here for the house that he supposedly built. It's beautiful. It's on a great piece of property. It certainly looks like a house that Giselle and Tom could live in. I learned something new about you. It seems like every day he was once Alex Rodriguez's landlord is the latest (laughs) new fact about Chris Sims. All right, here's the question that's inspired this discussion from Era Pagosian. With two weeks gone now and the Brady decision settled a bit, can we clearly say that Robert Kraft chose Bill Belichick over Tom Brady? Yes. I mean, we can. Yeah, I, I think we could say that. You know, I, I, you know, I think it's a deeper conversation than that. But I think ultimately, yes. I mean, this is Bill Belichick. He's, uh, he's the best coach in the history of football. There's no doubt about that. And even though we know Tom Brady's in that conversation for best player, best quarterback in the history of football, you know, it doesn't matter. He's still 43 here at the start of this next season. And it's coming to an end. And the Patriots are the Patriots because they've made these tough, hard line decisions throughout their history. And yeah, I think, you know, Mr. Kraft finally came to the point and said, okay, the guy's getting really up there in age. It is coming to an end. And I'm going to go with the guy who's built this empire and let him continue his vision here for the future. Yeah, look, I think the bottom line is this. There was only a limited amount of time that we were going to continue to see Tom Brady with the Patriots. Bill Belichick was always going to be there longer. And yeah, yeah. why are you going to choose? Why are you going to force Belichick to take a guy he doesn't want? Maybe piss Belichick off. He's the guy who's going to be there. He's the guy who inevitably was going to be trying to build another Super Bowl team without Tom Brady. It was a no-brainer. And look, that's the way you own a team. You don't meddle. You step aside and you let your football people make the decisions, especially when they have six pelts on the wall and or pellets on the horse. You let Belichick call what he wants, who he wants, how he wants, and you don't get in the way of that. No, I totally agree. I mean, he is the architect. And yeah, players get old. It just comes to an end at some point. You know, coaches can still be really good coaches in their late 60s and be top of the line there that way. So, you know, again, it's going to be some take some adjusting. But the Patriots, you know, am I sitting here going to go, they're going to the Super Bowl? I'm not ready to say that. But if anybody thinks the Patriots are going to fall off a cliff and be irrelevant this year, I think that's crazy. It was the number one defense in football last year. They won most games last year through their defense. So, you know, to think that they can't play that style of football once again, yeah, is Jared Stidham as clutch or as knowledgeable as Tom Brady? No, he's not. But they'll manage him the right way to where they're still going to be a big pain in the ass for everybody in the AFC. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And I think the idea that the expectations are reduced, I think that makes things even more interesting for the Patriots because – 
it will feel like, even if they get to the playoffs, it will feel like a very good year for the for the New England Patriots. And who knows, maybe they'll be there right in the thick of things again like they always seem to be. All right, that's it for PFTOT, PFTPM. Chris, well done as always. You get a three-day weekend. I don't know why you want to have – you're home. You're home all the time now. You should work seven days a week like I do. I haven't had a day off since January 1, 2004. Ever tell you that before? Okay, okay, Bill Belichick. I've never heard that before. No days off. No days off. No days off. Yes, I want a day off. I want to sleep in tomorrow. I want to be able to drink my coffee and walk around the yard with the chickens and the dog. I don't always have to talk to you. There's only so much of you I can take. I want you to go visit Judge Judy this weekend, but maintain (laughs) your distance. Go visit your neighbors. Go see Judge Judy. Take her a pie, right? Take her some eggs. Some some home fresh, not farm fresh, but home fresh eggs right out of the coop. Go go get to know Judge Judy, and then maybe okay. maybe you can be her la- you can be her landlord at some point. <laughs> oh, I'd like to. I'm sure, sure. <laughs> Let me know. I, I, she's got more money than anybody right now. I'm all for it. <laughs> all right, buddy. Great week. Uh, enjoy your time with your family and everybody. We'll see you here tomorrow for PFT Live with Peter King and uh, around the clock at ProFootballTalk.com. Have a great day. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.